really excited about what God has been speaking to us because we've been talking about how do we live worry-free in 23, <laughs> sort of a theme. How do, how do we really uh, see God do the growth, the strength, the things that he wants to do in our families, in our lives, in our, in our personal relationship with, with God? How are we going to move in the things that, that God wants to do in our life? You know, sometimes it's easy, uh, or you have heard it said, hey, don't worry about tomorrow because uh, it may never happen. So you're worried about something and putting energy into something that may never happen. And that's true. And I actually think that's, that's, that's a good thought because you're worrying about something that may never happen. But then again, it might. There you go. It might happen. So that's what I want to talk to you about. Really finish up what we've been discussing the last several weeks about how do we live worry-free in 23. How, what, does that, what does that really mean? Today, I want to talk about the living hope that we have in tomorrow's troubles. <laughs> how many know that whether we worry about tomorrow and put energy into it today about tomorrow's trouble, there, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be trouble. I mean, you think, man, I didn't come to church for pastors to tell me I'm going to have troubles. But it's not about troubles. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. The, the question is, what do we do with it? How do we live? You see, I believe with all of my heart, we have to live fundamentally different than the world lives. It cannot be the same. And it's easy to start adopting the way the world lives and the way the world moves in our lives. Now, so we've been focusing on Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus has this amazing teaching that I believe is really the philosophy of our life. How do you live? How you process the circumstances around you, how you process the troubles, how you, how you uh, face everything that you're going to be dealing with in the future and do it with faith. So we talked about in Matthew 6.32 that we are not to run around and worry like the world worries. They worry about uh, the basics and they worry about all kinds of things. You're not to live that way. And it wasn't just a suggestion. Jesus made it very clear. Do not worry about those things. And he gave us the hope. And the hope is because your heavenly Father knows what you need. Now, what that means is that your faith has to be active because to believe that your heavenly Father knows what you need means that you know that he knows, and if he knows, he'll do something about it. So that's your faith interacting with the, the knowledge that God is there, that God is going to do something. So we talked about that, and that's really about living faith. That's about acting faith. That's about trusting. Faith isn't just sitting back and just hoping things work out. That's not faith. Faith is knowing and interacting with what you're dealing with, the, the troubles you're dealing with, the, the pressures you're dealing with, the, the hardship that you might be dealing with, no matter what comes your way, and interact with that and trust God. That's living faith. Well, then he goes on and, and sort of gives it an addendum that's so important. 
He says, you can live worry-free in 23, and this year and every year. You can, you can do that if you activate your faith, if you combine your faith with knowing that God is going to do something in our life. That's trusting that our Heavenly Father knows. But then he goes on and says, here's the addendum, though. You have to seek first his kingdom. Seek first. Because you see, this is what people do. <laughs> This is what I've done. This is what sometimes Christians do that says, oh, my father knows that, that, I, that I need these things. And yet we go out and we make stupid wrong decisions. <laughs> we set the wrong priorities in our life and say, well, that's okay. God knows that I need this. Well, what has happened is that, that we, have, we have set the wrong priorities and we are actually working against the very thing that verse 32 talks about, about activating your faith. Because we have set the wrong priorities, which is seek first the kingdom of God. If we seek him first, it, it matters what we do. So that's an important addendum. addendum. And then he goes on in verse 34. And, and sort of, uh, this God just winking at me there. In case you didn't know that. He goes on to verse 34 and lays out how we actually do this. And I'm calling it the, the Christ philosophy of life. Do you have a philosophy of life? If, if someone ever asked you that, what, what would you say? What would be your philosophy of life? Uh, and, it could be, and there's all kinds out there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to live this way, and I'm going to just do what I want and enjoy it, and, you know, or, or whatever it is. We all have a philosophy, or a lot of times we have philosophy of life. But I want to challenge that just a bit. Because in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, we see this really profound understanding of really what our philosophy of life should be. In fact, your philosophy of life. Because it says, set your minds, literally your heart, your spirit, who you are. What's what you're thinking first. Set your minds on things above. In other words, set the right priorities and not on earthly things. Isn't that exactly what we've just read in Matthew chapter 6? Paul is teaching the same thing here, saying, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you are dead, <laughs> and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now, you have to understand what that verse means. We read that verse and go, yeah, that's really good. What that verse means is that you don't have a philosophy of life. You don't get to have one. Christ has given us his philosophy of life, and that's what we live. And you say, well, no, I should have one. I should think this way. No, 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 you're dead. <laughs> you're dead, but you live in Christ. So whose philosophy is it? Whose way of living is it? It's Christ, Christ in us. And I think the struggle comes in when we go into June or July and we're going to this year. And, oh, God, this is, this is not working out and this is really hard. And why did this happen? And this is difficult. And we don't understand the, the pain or the difficulty around us. And we struggle with all of that. And I, I believe that's because we are trying to live our philosophy instead of really what is God's philosophy. So let's look closely at Matthew 6.34. Let me break it down again. 6.32 talked about our Father knows. That is the, the, the living faith that we need to have. And verse 33 means seek first. That means living first. What do we live first? What's our priorities? And then when we get to 34, uh, I really think it's living forward, living tomorrow. How are you going to live what you just heard? 
And isn't that always the problem we deal with? We hear this sermon, we hear this thought, we read this in, in Scripture, we do this, and how do I live that? How do I actually walk that out? How can I go into next month or next week or tomorrow and live worry-free and trust God that God's doing this? And what does that really mean to activate my faith? How, how do we do all these things? And that's what Jesus, I believe, does in verse 34. He says, therefore, do not worry. So it puts it all, all together about tomorrow. For tomorrow, will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, it's really easy to misunderstand what Jesus is saying here because he's, he said it in context of everything he just was explaining before. So it is basically his philosophy. And it's easy for you to try to read and for me to try to read into this. Well, this is probably what that means. This is, this is what is, is going on. But I believe this is a philosophy of, of, of how we live our life that Christ wants us to understand. It's not just words. It's, it's not just... Uh, uh, well, feelings or whatever. It's something so much more than that that God wants to do. And, and, and what we need to understand is that his philosophy is not the world's, the way of living, <laughs> the way of understanding, the way we handle tomorrow. How do I handle the pressures of tomorrow? How do I handle the troubles that come my way? Troubles, 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 troubles. <laughs> Sometimes you feel that way. Man, I, I woke up and there's troubles. <laughs> I went to lunch and there's troubles. I came home and there's troubles. How do I deal with those troubles in my life? How do I live in the living hope that he's talking about in verse 34? And the, it, it, to understand that, though, you need to understand how the world tries to creep into our very lives and teach us a philosophy that is not of God. For example, uh, Christ's philosophy, the philosophy that we live our life, what he's talking about here, is not deism. And yet, many people live deism. Deism means that God is there, God is up there, God is watching, but he's sort of doing it from a distance. He sort of put everything together. He put the salvation process in, in motion. He, he, he put uh, all, everything that we need in motion, and now we just have to live it. But he's not actually interacting. And so when people say, say I don't know if God will do that, I, I, I think God is, is, is just sort of watching us. And th that is a wrong philosophy. That is not what Jesus is saying when he says, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. He's saying, have a living hope for tomorrow. It's not deism because he cares. He cares about you. He cares about what we are dealing with. And you know what? It's not universalism. <laughs> and that's the next thing that, I, I, oh, my goodness, <laughs> it is so prevalent in our culture. It is so prevalent in our churches where we just adopt this view that, that it's all going to work out. There, there was a friend of mine that was telling me he was teaching his children about consequences and about choosing the right path. And I just love this story. It's just so precious. And he says, you go down a path and the road splits. And this is a good road that you go down. But on this road, if you go the, the wrong way, there's a cliff and you can fall off. In your car, sort of like living in California right about now. So you, you just you just fall off. Really, you need to pr pray for them. <laughs> so the point the point is is that he, he shared that, and and then one of the precious children said, "Yes." And if you fall off, God will just catch you. And, and he's like, "No, no, no, no. You got no. There's wrong. There's wrong consequences." But and as precious as that is, and it's I love that spirit. I love that heart. We need to understand that. We need to understand that, there are, that when you set priorities, when you say, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God, that you are choosing the right path. 
And when you choose the wrong path and you choose to go the wrong way, see, universalism removes all moral responsibility. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter really what I say. Which is really, really leads us into uh, the verse 34 and the, the philosophy that is easy to creep into our life, and that's fatalism. And fatalism says, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? It's just the way it is. It's just, you can't really do anything about tomorrow. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. That is not what Jesus, when he's, he's talking about, let's take a living hope and put it in tomorrow. Let's look at tomorrow's troubles when they come up. And it's just saying, hey, you know, we can't do anything. Years and years and years ago, and I'm seriously dating myself, but some of you will date yourself by understanding what I'm talking about. Doors, there was a Alfred Hitchcock movie, Doors Today, uh, played in, and she was singing a song of whatever will be, will be. And she's teaching this to a little child, which is, which is just horrible. <laughs> but Hitchcock movies, what do you expect? But the, the point is that that's, that is fatalism. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. God's going to do what God's going to do. And so what that totally does is remove you from the whole picture. Remove any responsibility or any accountability or anything from your life. And that is not what Jesus is teaching. He is not teaching deism. He is not teaching universalism. He is not teaching fatalism. That says it doesn't matter. We believe when you activate your faith, when you put your faith with uh, what God is trying to do, it changes things around you. It changes what you can do when, and what, what God is doing in your life. And God wants us to do that, that connection. 1 Peter 1.3, I love this verse. It says, in his great mercy, it's always about his mercy. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. A living hope that's breathing, that's moving, that's interacting with us. This isn't just, a, a, you know, that one day we're going we're gonna to get to go to heaven, which we will. Pretty exciting. <laughs> you know, that's something, a hope we need to look forward to. But it's a living hope. It's something that interacts with us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead so that we can have a living hope. We can have something that's real now and real then. You see, tomorrow's trouble... <laughs> It's, it's, it's so easy to fill our lives. But we can live tomorrow's troubles with a living hope. With a hope that is in, inside of us. That hope that says, I, I know I'm here. I know this is a difficult circumstance, a difficult situation. But in this, God is living in me. And I, I, I'm not going to accept the world's view of run around and do what the world says, that it's all up to me or that it's just there's nothing I can do about it. I have talked with people, sat across from them that says, and I said, you know, I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to believe God's going to do something. They said, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> for your pastor, they just sort of skips a beat. And I said, what, what do you mean it doesn't matter? He said, well, God's going to do what God's going to do. And I said, oh, my goodness. That is, that is a fatalistic attitude. And we don't believe in fatalism. We believe in faith. And the faith that, that interacts with what God is doing in our life to change the world around us. We cannot live this way. You cannot live worry-free this year, trusting God, believing in God, if you just think oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, what happens. It doesn't matter what, 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 what it's going to pour into our life. You see, God has... 
so many ways that he wants us to understand how we can live with this philosophy. It, philosophy of life means it's what you do every day. It's what you think about every day. It, it, it is sort of subconscious, but everything is filtered through your philosophy. So if your philosophy is God is bad, God is mean, God has his thumb up there and he's going to squash me, <laughs> then you're going to see everything like that. But if you do it and see it through a living hope, through something that God is interacting and God is able to touch me and change everything around what I'm dealing with. You know, if you read about Paul in the New Testament and what he de- dealt with, oh my goodness, stone. I mean, that's where they take big, large rocks and throw it off a cliff on top of your head. <laughs> and he lived through it. So they, what they decided to do, they do it again. Shipwrecked, beaten with rods across his back, his bones broken, probably mended wrong, came back to wrong. So you see Paul with probably not able to hardly stand. I mean, it, it would be difficult to even watch if they pictured it on TV. And yet in all of that, this is the part that gets me, especially when I study Scripture. Here's Paul. He, he's talking about all of that. And he says, but this one thing, I'm, I, I just, I, I, God, I don't think I can deal with. All of that. Okay, <laughs> and, and they'd have, you know, I'd have, I'd have had a hard time with that first part, especially with rods, you know, beat me. I, this, this doesn't sound like fun. And so it's easy for us to look at that and just, and just think, well, that's what he went through. But there was one thing that he said, you know what, this is too much. This one thing. Now, we don't know what it is, and I think that God's, that's God's grace that, that told us and doesn't tell us this is the one thing that Paul said, but I can't handle this. This, this is too much, Jesus. He's had a, a, a conversation with Jesus. This one is too much, Jesus. I can't handle this. And, and uh, uh, Jesus comes in the most powerful, precious way that he writes. And this is what he says. He says, my grace is sufficient for you now. I got gotcha. you. But the power is made perfect in weaknesses even in the future. In other words, my grace is a, it's enough now, but it's going to be even stronger in the future. Wow, that's amazing that we can believe that God can be with us now and God can help us now and God can sustain us now. But the weaker we feel, the stronger he becomes. And you take the thing that you think, God, I can't do with that. This one is too hard. This is too difficult. This is too much. And God says, in that very thing, my grace will be even stronger. My power in you will be even more. Because when we begin to realize it is not me, it is not my philosophy, it is, it is me trusting who God is. Grace is enough for now and even stronger in the future. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that what God does? You see, I believe that God wants to speak to us and help us understand something really profound this morning about how do we live our life? How are we going to live tomorrow? How are we going to see... Christ takes the very things that we struggle with the most, that trouble that's in the future, that trouble that you would think, I, I don't know what to do with that. That's, that's too much. And he says, I'm going to make and change that. But how do we do that? How do we, how do we go into tomorrow knowing no matter what I face, no matter what the trouble is, no matter what the difficulty is, I know God's grace is going to be even stronger than me. How do we do that? 
there was a couple of uh, professors at a university, and they did the study. They actually won the Nobel Prize for this simple little study. What they did is they took all the freshmen that were coming into the university and put them into two groups, and they asked them just two questions. How, uh, you know, what they're doing. And, and for, for the first group, they, they, they came and they said, okay, this is what we want to know. Um, how are you doing? How are you doing? Do you have any troubles? What's going on? And then the second question was, okay, uh, how many dates have you had in the last 12 months? Well, they found with that group that the, the, the happiness level was about normal. Then they inverted the question. And they said, they started with the second group and they said, how many dates have you had in the last 12 months? And then, they, then the second question was, are you troubled? Do you have troubles? And in that group, they found that 90% were uh, discouraged and depressed and filled with troubles. 90%. See, they've always understood, psychology <laughs> understood in, in such, that circumstances and information is what determines how you respond. What the circumstance is and what the information. And what this study proved, uh-uh, it's not true. It's not your circumstance that, detic- uh, that dictates whether you're happy or not. It, it's not the information that you have. No, it's the order. In other words, what's in the front of your mind? What are you seeing? What troubles are right there? Because that's what's dictating whether or not you're going to say, I'm good or not. I'm, I, I, everything is going to be okay. Everything is, is going to be good. What's in, the, what's in the forefront? What are you focused on? What have you, okay, let's just go to Scripture. What have you set your mind on this morning? What are you thinking about? Because, you know, if, if, I, if I ask you, hey, you have any troubles? How are you doing? Oh, we're doing okay. And, and then, and then I, 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 I bring it into something else, and then all of a sudden you see that it's the order. It's, it's what is on your heart. And this is what Jesus, I believe, wants to understand. Grace always before trouble. So if you see grace, if you're feeling grace, if you know God's good, if you're not living deism where God actually cares, if you're not living universalism where what I do matters, what you think matters and how you believe matters and how you trust, it, it matters. It makes a difference in, in my life around me. And you certainly aren't living this fatalism that the world it, 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 it's consumed with. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Do you realize that that saying is actually a Latin saying that was uh, sort of uh, um, changed to sound Hispanic, which is interesting the way they do that. But it comes from someone, the first occurrence of it was on someone's uh, gravestone in the first 1500s because it was their motto. So someone had that as their motto. And I'm wondering, is that your motto? Whatever, it doesn't matter. Or are you believe, or are you able to say, you know what, God can do so much more. It, I know that I can trust God. So Jesus taught a, a, a very simple parable, which the disciples were clueless and couldn't understand. And this is what he said. He said, a farmer went out and he had a seed in his hand and he threw it on the ground. 
And then he talked about the soil. He said the first soil, it was really hard, and so a bird came and snatched it away. The second soil, it, it came up, but all of a sudden the sun came out and burned it away. The third soil, the, uh, it went in and it grew, but there was weeds, and the weeds choked it out. And the fourth soil is it grew multiple times, 100-fold. And the disciples go, Jesus, what are you talking about? And he was a little bit incredulous on this one. Really? Really, you can't get this? The seed is God's word. God's word's going out right now, okay? And so it's about the soil. Now, what, what really uh, I want to focus on is the first one, I think, are unbelievers, where they don't ever let God's word go into their life. It just bounces off and goes, goes its, its way. But the second and the third and the fourth, I think, are what we live. That's who, that's who so many of us are. Because in the second one, he talks about the seed goes and it just sprouts up. In fact, let me read that in Mark chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. He said, the others, uh, the, others the seed sown on rocky places, hear the word uh, and at once receive it with joy. Okay? So you receive it. He said, this is God's word and I'm, I'm going to receive it. But since they have no root, which we're going to call the rootless believers, <laughs> since they have no root, they only last for a short time. When trouble or persecution, trouble, 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 trouble. <laughs> when it comes because of the word, because of everything, because of circumstances, they quickly fall away. What's intriguing about what Jesus said is the word quickly or a short time is instantly. They have absolutely no tolerance, no tolerance for trouble. No tolerance for things going wrong. No tolerance for saying, I don't know why this happened, God, or I don't know uh, why I'm dealing with it. They have absolutely no t tolerance, and they quickly fade away because they didn't have any roots. They didn't have anything to, help, to hold them. The sun came out, or trouble came, and I believe that there's so many Christians living this way. God, I love you. I want to serve you. It's going to be a great 23. I'm going to leave worry-free in 23. It's going to be good. You know, you're probably just saying that all week, right? But, but then all of a sudden, whoa, I didn't know I was going to have to do, deal with that in 23. I didn't know they were going to say that about me. I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't know this was going to come into my life and all of a sudden they quickly instantly fade away because of all of that you see Romans 8 35 I love this verse it says who who these are all who's I'm convinced not what but who who shall separate us from the love of Christ Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sore? And he comes on and saying, nothing will separate us. But I love this. The first word is trouble. <laughs> the very first thing that has the power to separate you from God's love is there. So it's not God withdrawing his love, but us not receiving his love, not trusting his love, not believing his love, because it doesn't matter what we do. Mm -hmm. It, it, you know, God's watching, and, I, and it's all up to me, deism. It doesn't matter what I do. There's, I have no moral accountability. In the end, we'll all be together. And that's not true. That's not the case. So are we trusting? I love the fact that it's, it starts with trouble. Nothing will separate us. Trouble cannot separate you. The trouble you face tomorrow morning, pain, the disappointment, 
God's still there? Are we seeking? Are we having a heart that says, God, I want to serve you with all my heart. God, I want to trust you. I'm going to not run after these things. I want to trust you in everything that you're doing. I'm going to seek you first. And God, I'm going to have a living hope for tomorrow because I know who has tomorrow. And do you know who has tomorrow? What are the roots that we need to hang on to? I want to, let me just give you three really, really quick. First is the root of his presence. We sang that. We sang about his presence. We sang about his power. But do we believe that? Because then we go Monday and we don't even pray. We don't mention God. We don't study his word. And we just move on. We just move on. We move on. And by Saturday, we are crawling. God, <laughs> my life is falling apart. God, what's going on? I got to get back to church. There was a, a presence. Look what the Bible says. No branch can bear fruit by itself, Jesus said. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You're going to be fruitless on top of rootless. <laughs> because all of a sudden, you're trying to do it on your own. Instead of spending time with him, I think we've lost the art in the church of just spending time with God. And I'm convinced that we need to learn how to spend time with God and spend time in his presence until the noise stops. You know what I'm talking about? The noise. Because we say, oh, i got to do this, i got to do this, God. What's going to happen? What's going to happen here like that? We just need to let all that go and trust. Because trouble will come. And I want to stand strong against it when that trouble comes. You see, in the, in the third seed that we, we talked about, it came and it choked out. There were cares of this world, and they became fruitless. I said, God, I want to grow. You want to grow? You want to be strong? You want to be faithful in everything God's doing? Then you need to bear fruit. And how do I bear fruit? You need to be in his presence. But secondly, you need to be in his, with his promise, the root of his promise. See, the root of his promise is really about understanding his word is true. His word is not our words. Our words are just, they fall down. But his words are true. And he says in Hebrew, he says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. That phrase sometimes haunts me. God's grace is there. God's grace is always enough. God's grace is enough for you. But we fall short of it? How? how man, how can we fall short of the grace of God? And that no root of bitterness grows up and causes the trouble. <laughs> You see, sometimes we think the trouble comes, and that's why we quickly fall away. But before the trouble came, there was other roots that came in. Instead of the root of God said it, and I'm going to trust it, the root of bitterness. Why did this happen, God? Why did this happen? Why am I struggling with this? Come on, this is, this is, this is me, your pastor just sharing your heart. Because I believe this so much. I want to live worry-free and 23, but I cannot do that. I cannot live worry-free if all of a sudden I'm not bearing fruit because I'm upset with God. I don't trust his word. His word says he'll heal us. Do we trust that? His word said he'd forgive us. Do we trust that? His word said that he can remove all condemnation from us, and yet we walk around living in condemnation. No wonder we're worried. 
the weight and the pressure of our failure, of our own inadequacies. And say, oh, God, I just got to do better. I just come back there. And that's works. <laughs> I didn't even talk about works. <laughs> but that's, that's why we have this worry in our life instead of saying, God, and have a philosophy of Christ, a philosophy of life that says, it's not my life. I can trust you, God. You see, trouble grows because we have, we're bitter against the promises that we didn't see come to pass. Instead of trusting and saying, God can do this. God can do this. Here's my last. It's the root of bitterness. Uh, root of bitterness comes in, and the root of people comes from God. Of his promise, of his presence, and of his people. I love Romans 11, 18. It says, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. My branch is better than your branch. My branch is better than yours. <laughs> so I better take care of my branch. I better prune mine. I better make sure my fruit's good. I better do all, all this with mine. Do not consider yourself to be superior than other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. We are stronger because we are connected. Because you encourage me to love me. Because I love you and I encourage you. Because I believe what God is going to do in your life. And then we encourage one another. You know, Hebrews talks about the fact that we shouldn't stop meeting together, even in COVID. It's the rules. No matter what, we shouldn't stop meeting together because, why? Because God, I get points for being there? No, no. Because I can make a difference in someone else's life. I can help someone. I can serve someone. I can encourage someone. I can make a difference in someone else's life. Man, if you're focused on that, if you're focused on his presence on his promise, God's word, and on his people, you will live worry-free in 23. You will see all that, not because there won't be any trouble, <laughs> okay? I, gotta, I, I have to tell you, there may be trouble, but you, in the midst of all that, instead of quickly falling away, you have roots to say, God, I trust you. God, somehow this word is going to come true in my life. I'm hanging on to it. I'm claiming it. I'm believing it. I'm praying. I, I'm interceding. I'm asking God because I believe, God, you make a difference. Prayer makes a difference. People make a difference in how we trust in his promise in our lives. That's how we change the world. That's how people look at us and go, oh, who are you? <laughs> Man, you're going through some stuff and yet, Wow, I mean, you know, there's like a glow about you. What is that? And you say, okay, that's his presence. <laughs> Don't say that, they'll just freak out. Because <laughs> I know God loves me and I trust him. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your grace, let your love, let your peace move across every one of us. Help us to live, help us to understand how to live with a living, with a living hope that God, I trust you for tomorrow, no matter what trouble comes. And my root is in all that you do in my life. And I believe, God, that you're doing that for every single person here. And if there's anyone that have trusted in the things of the world or the philosophies of the world and they have adopted these, God, I pray right now that you would just move all that away. And we would re-surrender again to say, God, I will live for you. 
I will trust you. I'll believe in your word. I'll believe in your people and what you're trying to do through each and every one of us. God, if there's any person, a single person here right now that does not know you in a personal, real way, I pray that that precious, precious presence of your Holy Spirit just moves on every single heart. God, that you move on their heart to say, I need you. So we pray together, Father, forgive us. Renew our hearts. Forgive me of all of my sins. And strengthen us with your power of your Holy Spirit. Because God, we trust you. We believe in you. In the name of Jesus. I'm not there touching you. But I prayed this morning, and I believe the Holy Spirit is. Because he's showing you something right now. Holy Spirit's showing you something. Something in your life. Okay, that. I need, to, I need to give that to God. Or I need to stop worrying about that and trusting what God is doing in my life. And when you do that, <laughs> man, I can't wait. I cannot wait for everything God has planned for us. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Come on. Jesus.